Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. For those of you who have been here so far this month, you know we're using this book, The Art of Certainty, and drawing upon it for some information about how the world changes and how we might do better with some of the changes that come our way. The first week we talked about the, uh, well, really the constancy of change, that if you can count on one thing on this planet is that tomorrow will be different than today. That no matter how we like things or how matter we don't like things, wait a few minutes. <laughs> Week two, we talked about the idea of non-attachment. That sometimes what we really need to do is have less attachment to the form things take and more attachment to the experience itself. And we learned that actually by not trying to map up the smallest details of our lives, it actually opens our hearts to be able to receive more joy and more love. And, and, and there's just more harmony in our life when we're not so attached to the tiny little details of life and having them all go our way. It actually allows us to blossom through the idea of non-attachment into our greatness. This week, we're going to talk about change in yet a different way. So the thesis here of, uh, of Jones is that if indeed a million changes are coming in our way, wouldn't it be nice if we had some input into them? And so the thesis of the talk today is we have the power to actually help orchestrate many of those changes that come our way if we're willing to show a little bit of commitment. And uh, I think I, I'll start with just uh, the shortest reading from this book. We already know that the universe says yes to that which we commit at the deepest level of our being. The decision that establishes a definite commitment really marks the beginning of a shift in our consciousness. We know we don't have to control or manipulate the universe because it knows far better than we do how to bring our deepest desire into fruition. But we must first do our part. And one of the primary things required of us is commitment. And so his, his thesis or, or his idea is that we can either go with the flow of life, right? In which case a lot of the changes seem arbitrary, seem random, seem like it's just a never-ending stream of things that were different today that we thought we knew the answer to. Or he says through our commitment to life towards our own intentional living, we can begin orchestrating those changes. We can begin putting our participation into them. Well, if we're going to talk about commitment today, naturally, I found a joke. This one might be a bit of a stinker. I'll apologize in advance. So a young man was very excited because he had won a ticket to the Super Bowl. His excitement, however, lessened as he realized he was seated in the very back row of the stadium. As he looked down towards the field, he noticed an empty seat in a prime location. And he walked down, approached the man sitting next to the empty seat, and asked him if it was taken. The older man replied, well, no, you can move up here and sit next to me. Amazed, the young man said, well, how could someone pass up a great seat like this? The older gentleman responded, well, that's my wife's seat. 
She was a big football fan too. And as newlyweds, we made a lifelong commitment to share the Super Bowl together. Always. We've been to, to, to the Super Bowl every year for many, many years, right up until her death. Well, I'm so sorry, said the young man. What a beautiful commitment to each other. But honestly, couldn't you find a friend or a relative to come with you? No, replied the older man. They're still at the funeral. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I just, I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. All right. I know I'll get some flack for it later, but it, you have to admit it was funny. All right. Where we're going to start today, though, is a conversation around the difference between just being interested in something and really being committed to it. Because I think that's the bad news situation for most of us. Most of us have the, the dreams that we have. Most of us have an idea of how our lives could be better or how we could be better in life. But we only take it as far as being interested. So when someone's interested in something, they pay attention to it, they take notice of what happens, they may do a little research on it on the internet or in other ways. Uh, they want to see how it turns out. They follow it, if you will. But that is about it. They don't necessarily take their resources, their time, their money, and make an investment in it. Commitment, on the other hand, when we're committed to something, we actually do devote our resources, our time, our effort is put into it. We take risks to see that it will happen. We actually plan for its success. It becomes a part of who we are as we step forward in our life. The plans toward that thing that we're committed actually follow suit. And, and we can actually watch ourselves as we get closer to actually having or experiencing that thing we desire. You know, one way of looking at it is the difference between being interested in a new car and actually buying a new car, being committed to it. When we're interested in a new car, we might go to the auto show. We begin looking at some of the ones as they drive by on the freeway and think, I like the way that one looks, and I've heard that one has great gas mileage. We might even look up some of the characteristics of the cars we're interested in, right? But if we're just interested, that's usually where it ends. When we're committed, it's a trip to the credit union. Do you know what I mean? It's like, how am I gonna pay for this? What's my trade-in value of my old car? You know, we actually get in and go for a test drive and start figuring out the finances. We, we decide if maybe we have to work a little overtime in order to afford it and we figure out where the down payment's gonna come from and so on and so forth because it's a commitment. Well, I'm here to suggest that if any of you are living anything other than the perfect, loving, joyous life that you want to live, a big factor in it is your commitment to those things. Because from where I sit, most of us portray our lives in terms of getting better, in terms of achieving some of our goals from the position of being interested. We say things like, well, wouldn't it be nice if that happened? We say things like, uh, I wonder what would happen if I got a better job. Does that sound like a commitment? And yet, for most of us, when we think about the future and what we would like to have happen in terms of our goals, in terms of our, of our passions, that's about where it leaves off. The idea that wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be swell? I could picture myself doing that. 
Jones says that if we really want to move forward in our life, if we want to achieve the level of commitment necessary to clue in the universe, what we want to have happen, we have to have three things in order. And he calls them the three P's. And so we're going to spend a little time talking about the three P's today. The first of them is persistence. You can't just give up after the third day of deciding that you want to experience something or that you want to have something. And, and his example, and I think it's a good one, is if we want to give up smoking. Has anyone here in the room maybe smoked for many years and gave it up? Okay, quite a few people have that experience. He says that what is scary about something like that is that it actually can get harder before it gets easier that many people will experience the first couple days where, well, okay, that wasn't, what are they talking about? This wasn't all that hard. I mean, I was really anxious after I got up in the morning on that first day, and I was a little anxious after, after a meal, because I used to smoke after a meal, but, you know, the first two days were fine. We'll check in with them again on day five. <laughs> <laughs> And, and then try, you know, like day 10. But what people will also say is that through persistence, suddenly there was a day that was almost effortless. That when they were willing to put in those, that first week and maybe a few days beyond that, most people report that somewhere in that second or third week, they will go an entire day without really thinking about it. And it suddenly, almost overnight, seemed to get easier where it actually was getting harder right up until that time. This is true persistence. This is the knowledge that where you're going is good for you. This is that idea that what I want to experience in life, I shall have it if I'm persist. If I keep following through, you know, things will come to distract me. There will always be something else tugging at my time and my resources. But if I persist in that experience, whether it be a greater love, a, a better job, success in some avenue in our lives, if I persist at it, suddenly one day things will get actually quite easy. And I will, will come into my own. I will begin living that thing, living that experience, having those experiences that before I had only dreamed. The second of the two P's is perseverance. And, and it's similar to persistence, but it implies that there may be roadblocks. I gotta tell you, the universe will throw monkey wrenches into things. There will be things that will come and look like, well, I need to change my course. I need to do something different. I still remember when I graduated from, uh, from college, I had every intention of being uh, uh, a teacher, uh, you know, either an art teacher or an English teacher. And oh, what a monkey wrench I remember. When I went to student teaching at South Eugene High School, it was like someone had put a blowtorch on me. It was so, so very painful. And it really made me resist the idea, well, this must not be for me at all. Teaching people just must be, you know, crazy, you know? And what I really had to do years later, what I realized was, well, I had to give up the form. Perhaps it wasn't meant to be a high school teacher, but certainly teaching is where I'm at. And, and so re really through my whole life and most of the jobs I've had, there have been the element of coaching and teaching involved with people because that's who I am. But those roadblocks may come up for you. The form that something takes or the form that something clearly isn't going to take may be there hounding at your heels and you need to have the stamina, the, the gumption to say, wait a minute, 
What I know is this was what I was meant to do. This is who I am meant to be. This is my desire for participating in the universe and I will not let other people, other situations, other facts even get in my way. I may change the form of it. I may be open to it looking a little differently, right? That's the non-attachment that we talked about and learned about last week. I don't have to have it be a certain way, but by gosh, it's going to feel a certain way. I'm not going to give up my desires for love, for joy, for peace, for happiness, for showing up on this planet in a powerful way. And if I persevere, the universe once again will make things easy again. But, but things may come up. Absolutely. In this uh, universe of, uh, I think Reverend Sharon talked about uh, in week one, some of the many changes we have to go through, and they just keep a coming. And so if we give up, if we throw in the towel, we're not going to receive what we want. The third of the three Ps I think is the most important, and I'm going to talk about it at a little more length today, and it simply is passion. If we want to succeed in our dreams, we have to have passion about it. Now, I've taken some flack for talking about this idea of passion before, and I'll, I'll explain it because it kind of makes sense to me. People will say, well, Larry, take a look at my life. What is there to be passionate about? I have a nine to five job that I kind of don't care that much about. I'm in a relationship that seems kind of stalled and boring, you know, and they'll, they'll kind of give me the list, the, the reasons why there isn't much passion in their lives. And they'll say, everyone knows that you've got to find your passion. And I kind of picture, I picture finding your passion the way it's often described to me as though, you know, I'm a hunter on the Serengeti, you know, and stalking it. <laughs> and I say, oh, there's some of it, right? I better shoot it before it gets away. And I suppose, I mean, I have experienced passion that way in my life. I remember the first time I found out about fused glass. I was in a gallery down at the Pearl, and it, just the way it was lit up and, and, and beautiful, and I, I, I said to the woman, I can't even imagine how one would do this. It just, it literally lights me up just to look at this beautiful fused glass artistry. And she said, oh, you can take a class in that. It's not that hard. And so I did. And much to my amazement, uh, I really took to it. I, I, I mean, it, it animated me as a way that I'd never had really a hobby before, and, and time would just disappear. And so, so I get that notion of finding a passion in the world, and I say, when that happens to you, go for it. But you know, that's not the good story about passion. I want to give you the real story about passion. So when I did graduate from the University of Oregon with my degrees in English and teaching, the only job I could find was working for the telephone company doing data entry. <laughs> and my first day, I walked into a room about three times as big as this. It had 225 desks in it and nothing else. And every one of the desks was filled with a person and they just all looked gray to me. And by that, I didn't mean that they were elderly with gray hair. What I meant was all the life looked like it had been drained out of them. It looked like a manufacturing plant with people instead of machines. 
And so I got my training and, well, let me tell you. Here, let me put you through the training course. So out of this machine are going to be produced an endless series of paper with people's names, addresses, and phone numbers on them. And because we're producing the telephone directory, your job is to type those names, those addresses, and those phone numbers into a photo typesetting machine so that we can print the yellow pages and the white pages. And that's your job. On average, you'll type in somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500 names, addresses, and phone numbers a day, and we'll fire you if you make more than three mistakes in a year. Have a nice day. (laughs) You're now fully trained. (laughs) Well, I gotta tell you, when I walked in and I got my training and I found my desk, there was a little bit of despair in my heart. Because I looked around to all of the people who seemingly had the life pretty well drained out of them, and I said, I gotta do something different here. Either this needs to be my first day and my last day, or I really need to have some kind of a change of my attitude here dramatically. Because what I know is, if I go with my gut instinct, which is to dig in my heels and hate every minute of this, what I'm saying is I'm gonna hate eight hours five days a week of my life. And do I want to be that person? I'm looking around and I'm seeing a few of them, right? I don't want to be that person. And so what I decided almost instinctually was I had to bring the passion to this job. And so I began having little contests with myself. I began seeing literally how many I could do in an hour and in a day, and then I always saved time at the end to look back over to make sure I hadn't had any mistakes. Something unlike the way other people, other people were, you know, you know, keep this same rhythm up and just don't mistakes, make mistakes as you go. I thought it would be fun to really press myself. You know, they hired us in at, I think it was 25 words per minute in our ability to do data entry. I got mine up to over 100 words in a minute and then gradually brought my errors down to where pretty consistently I was getting 80 and 90 words a minute with no errors. I did this all on my own. This was like, for me, it wasn't because they liked it. What I found out later was, boy, did they like it. But I was doing it as a contest for me. The other thing I did, I gotta tell you, the first holiday that came up was Halloween. My desk was beautiful. Orange and black streamers. I was the only one in a mask. (laughs) But you know what? Things like that caught on. The next, you know, we moved into the Thanksgiving and the the Christmas season. Suddenly everyone was bringing parts of themselves to work, right? It was no longer the, the factory going on. It was individuals beginning to learn how to enjoy their lives. Because for me, that was essential. If I was just gonna be a glorified machine typing in names, addresses, and phone numbers, I think it would have killed me, honestly. I think a part of me, at least, would have died. Now, there will be times in all of our lives when life just isn't exciting, when life isn't turning over to you the way you had imagined it, and we have choices. We can absolutely dig in our heels. We can walk away. We can do any number of things. So often we miss the chance to actually make 
what we're experiencing good, to make it good. Even though on the outside it seems boring, it seems mundane, it doesn't seem like a good use of our skills, whatever the story is around it, one of our options always is, let's find the joy here. Let's create the compelling story. I mean, I thought one of the ways I used to counsel myself around the mistake thing, because I was, had this morbid fear that they'd fire me if I made mistakes, right? One of the things I had to counsel myself on was, what if it's an emergency and I've typed the phone number in wrong? Do you know what I mean? I mean, literally, someone's life, in theory, could have depended on me doing that right. And just the recognition of really, in some ways, how important what I was doing led me to think of it a little bit more like a mission in life and let like, less like a tedious job. I don't know. What I'm talking about, of course, is tricking myself, tricking myself into having a better experience of the life that's going on right now. Accepting, if you will, what's coming my way and also, and here's the important part, bringing my passion and my persistence to wanting to have a better experience of it. And so that was me bringing in the banners, that was me, I organized the first potluck. It's like, the, I remember the supervisor coming up going, I hear you're thinking about organizing a potluck in the break room. And I'm like, yeah. And she said, we've never done that before, you know. People might talk at this potluck. <laughs> to which I said, well, you're invited. <laughs> It'll be fun. <laughs> anyway, what I want to really leave you with is the certainty that you do have power over your life. Even when, when life deals you a, a, a hand, if you will, that you're not liking so much, you have the option of digging in your heels and hating it, or you have the capability of subtly adding your own oomph to it. And when you bring your passion to something and when you bring your persistence to something, you will be able to achieve your heart's desires. If, on the other hand, you just go with the flow. In fact, let me talk about going with the flow for just a minute. Because I hear that now and then. People will say, oh, why doesn't he just go with the flow? Why doesn't he just, why doesn't he just, in fact, I think that supervisor might have said that. Why, you know, why doesn't she just go with what's hers to do and stop complaining or stop trying to change things? And I will even suggest that now and then, at least temporarily, going with the flow feels good, doesn't it? Because you're not being pushed, you're not being told to do something different. There's a, a kind of a quiet space that exists in, in just going with the flow. But you know what? It's someone else's flow. It's someone else who has defined this flow. Now it may be society, it may be Madison Avenue, it may be the boss of the situation, it may be your, your friends, but ultimately if you just, just give it all up and go with the flow, you are probably missing out on your dreams. 
And so there may be times when you take the path of least resistance and go with that flow, but if you find yourself doing that all the time, Where's the passion in your life? Where's the drive in your life? Where's the desire to have happier days or, or, or more loving relationship? Where's that sense that sometime we had in our lives of wanting success and joy and outrageous freedom? Where did that go? Do you know what? We train kids to want to express their wildest dreams, don't we? We encourage them to do art and to play and to, to do sports and, and we, we put a lot of money into it, don't we? Oh my gosh, my, uh, my nieces and nephews, the money that their mom is raising to, to help them with sports equipment and, 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 uh, and, and my niece is taking dance lessons and, and I mean, the, what do I wanna say? They are so encouraged to follow their dreams and their passion and then what, we kill it off at 20? Didn't everyone here have those wild, like, teenage dreams of how we were going to take over the planet and it was going to be great and free and, and joyous? And why did we back down? Really, was the world that grinding that we just let, I mean, maybe. I want us to revert to our teenage years. I never thought I'd say that on Sunday. <laughs> But I want us to go back to a time when we felt outrageous passion in our lives about something, about anything in a way, whether it be the grand love affair or, or the job that really makes your heart sing or, or a way of being on the planet that, that's so very useful to others. I, you know, the dream is for you to have but what I know is when we follow it with our passion, our commitment, not only you, but the planet is raised up. No more seas of gray people when there are a, a few of us following our passion because it's infectious. It, that sense of moving forward in the joy of life. Haven't you just been around people that you just kind of wanted to keep around them? Do you know what I mean? Someone that's just so delightful and upbeat and driven and happy and gracious and, and full of love. It's, it's like, you know, I want to be your friend. <laughs> I want some of what you have. In fact, I think that's, that's where that whole idea of I want, some, I, I want some of what you have, I think that's where it came from. Just seeing someone lit up that way. Each of us in this room can be that person. The three Ps, persistence, perseverance, and passion. I think that that is all it takes. Occasionally, the, the harder of those, the passion, may require you to summon it forth from yourself rather than waiting for it, rather than trying to hunt it down by trying a million different things. Start right where you are. What will it take for me to put passion into the job I have now? What will it take for me to feel passion in the relationship or marriage that I have right now? What is in me that would bring forth passion in my life the way it is, whether it's gardening, whether it's love, whether it's taking care of the house? Because it really, in a sense, doesn't matter what it is. Again, that's the not getting caught up in the details of the what, that's the distancing ourselves a little bit from the form of life and going 100% towards the intentional feelings of what you want life to bring you. I'm gonna close today 
with another quote from, from this wonderful book and of course a prayer. Can you see that beyond any good luck, any fortunate breaks, even beyond your talent and intellectual skills, it is your passion, your persistence and perseverance that will be a major factor into moving you forward in life. Are you ready to really get in the game? The universe is on your side when you are committed to it. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one joy, one happiness. All of this available to everyone because God is present everywhere. And I know that that means me. I know that to my own life is available all the joy, all the peace, all the love, all the happiness and prosperity, all the the goodness that exists in the world is possible in its potential for me. And as it is true for me, I know it is true for each person in this room, that God is actually no respecter of persons, that everyone here has the capability of that full and beautiful life when we commit to it. And so for this week and the following week, I know that perhaps this is a time to better understand what our dreams are, to better be able to summon forth our own commitment to a way of living, to a joyous existence, to um, an outrageous love affair, whatever it is, knowing that as we follow the three Ps, the universe backs us up so that those, those thousands of changes that are coming our way anyway begin to look more and more like changes that we have orchestrated. And I'm simply grateful for this. I'm grateful for God showing up here every Sunday as the very faces and the hands and the hearts in this room. Just grateful for life. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thanks so much for being here today. Glad you're here today. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.com. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.